eons ago, I walked onto the Wheaton College campus for the first time. Everything felt hugely new. New culture, new way of life, new educational system, new homework load, new roommate, new everything. And I was not prepared for all the newness. I'd said goodbye to my other universe just a couple months before, and to be honest, I was still neck deep in grief over having lost friends who knew me, a geographical world that made sense to me, a deep-rooted belonging in people and places and customs, languages, savers, sounds, everything. But there I was on Wheaton's campus. I hadn't chosen the college with any degree of excitement. I knew about its reputation and its academic standards. I liked its historic buildings, and that was about it. Yet it was supposed to become home to me, whether I wanted it to or not, because it was where I'd put down my well-traveled luggage and paid my fees. In retrospect, I wish I'd invested a little more thought and energy into finding my place there, but I didn't, and because I had no desire to put even a small amount of effort into it, I lived as an island for the three and a half years it took me to graduate. I was like a plant suspended in midair while my dangling roots shriveled and dried up. As a result, I walked away a few years later with little more than a degree to show for it. It doesn't have to be that way, though. There were no resources to help with that kind of transition back then, but there are now. And my hope is that this episode of Pondering Purple will answer some of your most pressing questions as you move from one world to another, whether it be for education, your career, or just a change of location. This is actually the second installment in a three-part series on transition. If you haven't listened to part one about preparing to end well, you may want to do that before listening to this one. Or not. It's a free country. Then come back in a couple of weeks for the final episode. This one devoted to intentional mindsets that can transform our adaptation to new places. Until then, this is Transition Part 2. Entering well. Ask adult TCKs about the most challenging transition of their lives, and they'll most likely say college or university, two terms I'll use interchangeably here. It's not surprising, really, where most young people entering higher education have left their home and family maybe in another part of the country, TCKs have often left their entire universe behind. The sights and sounds, savers, customs, languages, mentalities, and belief systems of places that have little similarity or even relevance in their new world. This degree of loss, combined with the oddness of re-entering a quote-unquote home culture that feels a lot foreign, can create an emotional, cultural, and transitional perfect storm. It will only be successfully navigated with proper strategy and intention. It's to equip those cross-cultural sailors that have outlined 10 tips to help with transition. Consider this the condensed version of my usual two-hour session on this topic. Tip number one, submit to the process. It's going to ebb and flow. One minute you'll feel like you own this transition, and the next you'll feel like you've made no headway at all. There's no avoiding the stop and go. And our healthiest posture is to expect it and accept it. 
The same goes for those unavoidable faux pas or social mistakes. As TCKs, we want to avoid failure and embarrassment. I get that. After all, we pride ourselves in our cultural savvy, right? But there's no such thing as a flawless transition. This is particularly true when crossing several borders at the same time. Like cultures, educational styles, independent living, financial autonomy, all new things to us. It's going to be messy, and it's going to take a while. Be patient with yourself and give the process the time it requires. Allow yourself to fail. One small misstep doesn't mean you're doomed. It means you're trying and you're learning. Acknowledge and celebrate your successes and give yourself grace for the inevitable mistakes. Both are part of the process. Tip number two, use your cross-cultural skills. If you were dropped into a primitive tribe in the Amazonian jungle, you'd find a way to weave yourself into its culture, right? After all, you're a TCK. You'd overlook what's jarring and invest your effort in understanding the whys and hows that make the culture tick. Do the same with this new world, even if it isn't entirely new to you. Enter it as if it were an exotic foreign land, using all the cross-cultural skills you've developed in your international life. Ask questions, show mercy, be accepting as you would be if entering that primitive tribe, and put particular effort into those if this is your passport culture you're re-entering. I've got to say that as tolerant as we TCKs are, we tend to reserve a special kind of reluctance for our quote-unquote home country. Be inquisitive and adventurous, open-minded and forgiving, just as you would be with any other place. Analyze, adjust, adapt. Tip number three, know and respect this culture's values. Some of what the new culture values may feel fake to you. It may feel intrusive or even offensive. There will be some aspects of this place that you won't like, values that you'll deem misguided or demeaning. Remember this, though. A culture is designed for those who belong in it to feel comfortable. And initially, at least, you're really just a visitor, not the person for whom the culture was designed. So, recognize its values for what they are, and determine how you will intentionally respond to them. Some of the values can be acquired, like manners, social norms, or communication styles. Others, like religious zeal or hierarchical structures, they may need to be respected, at least initially, until they can be discussed. Honoring what is normal in your new culture will likely make connecting easier and faster. Number four, be aware of relational differences. This is perhaps the most frustrating aspect of adaptation for TCKs, and I actually devoted an entire podcast to that topic, so you can go back and listen to that episode if you're interested. But here's the main thing. TCKs tend to dive deep extremely fast, and people living in a single culture tend to dive a little bit more shallowly and slowly. That doesn't mean that you can't get to real, meaningful friendship. It just means that it's going to take more time and patience to get there. Believe me when I tell you that the wait can be worth it. 
Once we realize how much our relational differences influence our interactions, many of our frustrations and transition will at the very least lessen because we'll understand that what we've been labeling as shallow is just people doing things the way this culture does them. True friendship is possible in monocultural settings. We just need to be willing to get there differently. Number five, find a trusted cultural coach. You're going to need to ask some stupid questions. There's just no way around it. As you're making friends and connecting with people initially, try to figure out who might be a good person to answer your questions. Questions like, how do you order at complicated restaurants? I'll admit that I still break out in hives trying to order at a subway. What purpose do cheerleaders serve? What's a gallon in liters? Do you tip a waiter, and if so, how much? Can you pass on the right? What is a date in this country? And what should I do and not do when I'm on one? Here are some traits of a good cultural coach to guide you as you're looking for yours. They need to understand that you're foreign in some ways. They need to know more about the culture than you do, obviously. And they need to be the type of person who will laugh with you, not at you. You may need different coaches for different areas of your life. Having them in place early will allow you to figure things out more quickly and without unnecessary embarrassment. Tip number six, laugh at yourself. Seriously, even with a stable of cultural coaches reachable on demand, you're going to mess up. Laughing at yourself is a hugely important skill. It's our fear of doing something wrong that often keeps us on edge, right? Cautious and nervous about jumping in. Ridicule will not kill you. Believe me, I know. And being looked at weirdly won't either. So if you mispronounce an Indian dish or accidentally sign up for your ninth credit card or discovered that jaywalking really is a ticketable offense in some places, laugh at yourself and then pay the fine. Number seven, reject generalizations. Red flag any statement about the culture you're entering that begins with, all inhabitants of this culture are. They're all clueless. They're all materialistic. They're all shallow. They're all fat. They're all socially inept. Nothing sets a person up for transitional failure more than a condescending attitude. Arrogance, even if just perceived by others, is the most alienating of traits. But if you give the new people around you a chance, maybe one by one and not as a whole culture, you may find individuals who are exactly the friends you're looking for. They may not have experienced all that you have, they may not speak the languages you do, and that's okay. You may not relate entirely to their lives either. Relationship can transcend those differences. Discarding those generalizations, those toxic generalizations, creates space to be surprised by friendship. Number eight, initiate, or at least make yourself available. Transition is exhausting, and socializing can feel like just one more chore to cram into your day. I really encourage you, as much as you have it, to invest your energy into connection. Again, it's one of those priorities that might not feel comfortable initially, but that will pay off in the long run, because we're wired for relationships, and we tend to shrivel up a bit without them. If, like me, you are a raging introvert, I feel your pain, and I get that this encouragement might feel a bit overwhelming. 
Here's an alternative to initiating for my less social friends. At least put yourself in places where people can see you and give them the chance to initiate with you. Sit in the lounge of your residence floor and look up from your book or insta-scrolling when people walk by. Sit in the bleachers during volleyball games. Don't find the most remote table in the cafeteria and hide away there. Whenever possible, in classes and hallways, on sidewalks, at the gym, wherever, make eye contact and smile if these people you're seeing are part of your community. By doing so, you're setting yourself up for one of two things to happen. Either someone will smile back and initiate conversation with you, or you might eventually build up the courage to actually say a few words that turn into a conversation. Number nine, acknowledge and address your grief. It is hard to leave one world and enter another, where monocultural peers might be leaving their families and hometowns as they enter a new educational institution or a career environment. A TCK is typically leaving much more behind. It's the universe I referenced at the beginning of this episode. We miss more intensely. We long in a more visceral way because we haven't just lost a location. We've lost what feels like everything. The places and communities that defined us seem as distant as the stars. So does the person we used to be when we lived in those worlds. Like transition, grief is a process. Like transition, it will ebb and flow. And like transition, there's no hurrying it or avoiding it. Admit grief to yourself and explore resources, like my previous episode on living well in a season of grief. Then find someone to whom you can express it. The health of your present depends on how healthily you process what you've lost. And tip number 10, exercise gratitude. Few other disciplines carry the same ability to transform a life. Author Anne Voskamp did some research into the subject, and she found that people who focus on gratitude have a relative absence of stress and depression, they make progress toward important personal goals, they report higher levels of determination and energy, they feel closer in their relationships and desire to build stronger relationships. They increase their happiness by 25%, although I'm not sure how you measure that. So, my advice to you is to get a notebook or a journal that you'll keep by your bed, and every night, every night, take a few minutes to write down three things for which you're grateful. At least two of them need to be something that happened that day. Because the negatives of life have a way of leaping up and smacking us in the face, it's important to counter them with a determined effort to see the positives. As simple as it might seem, this small exercise has the potential to substantially enhance your transition and your life. Transition is not for the faint of heart. Under the best of circumstances, it's a challenging milestone. If you're a TCK transitioning right now, my hope for you is that the wealth of resources available will help you to navigate some of the bigger hurdles in front of you and allow you, a global nomad, to enter this new world with fewer regrets and brighter victories. There is so much to navigate in transition, but there's also so much to be gained from doing it thoughtfully. 
Honestly, I did it all wrong the first time when I was just starting college, and I wish I could go back and give myself the gift of doing it better. Stay tuned for the third part of this series coming soon. And as always, please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or comments. My contact information is in the notes of this episode. It would also be really great if you'd take the time to like and share this podcast to help get it on the map. I've been so excited with the number of listeners who have taken the time to tune in, but I'd love for Pondering Purple to reach even more. In closing, wherever you are, whatever state of transition you're in, I pray as I send this episode into the world that you will reach for courage, strive for humility, and sense God near as you enter new places. Thank you for listening.